From the Cervera Newsroom in sunny Miami, welcome to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, your home for expert insight on all things Miami real estate. I'm your host, Omar DeWint. Let's get started. Today, folks, we are talking about the 2023 predictions as per the Miami Master Brokers Forum. So joining us for that conversation here in the studio are two master brokers among master brokers, Alisa Cervera La Madrid and Eliana Abela. Welcome, ladies. How are you? Thank you. Thank you, Omar. We're great. Happy to have uh, Eliana here at our headquarters and uh, you hosting us. And it's uh, always great to be with my, my Thank friend. Thank you for inviting and, me. And such a super professional. So Thank thanks you. for coming and exciting times. Let's see. Absolutely. And so, um, as Alicia mentioned, and I, I said at the top today, we're going to be talking about uh, the tw- some very key 2023 predictions, what to look out for in the year in the market. But before we get into that, uh, we want to learn a little bit more. I actually want to uh, get a little bit of a, for those out there who don't know the Master Brokers Forum, oh. let's actually take a step back and set the table for them, right? So this is an mm-hmm. organization that has been in the city for 30 years, correct? right? And uh, over 275 members today. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, well, who is the organization and, and what are some of the requirements of being a member? So we right now we have 275 members. Mm-hmm. In the last two years, we've brought on 70 new members. Mm-hmm. Um, so the qualifications to become a member, so at least $5 million in sales. Okay. And have maintained that uh, number, at least that number, for consec- five consecutive years. Sure. But most importantly, and I think this is even more important than the numbers, is the fact that the member has to be someone, as Jason and Alicia would say, play well with others. Mm. You know, the code of ethics is something that obviously all of us have to, you know, comply with, and and it's everybody knows that, but. Besides that is someone with a good reputation who we know has not had any problems right. with other agents, was not w- known for things like that. Sure. So that, for us, that's so important, and it carries a lot of weight. Right. So it's not only just having the numbers and having been in business for at least five years with that uh, number, but having that ethics, that integrity, you know, and integrity, professionalism. professionalism and that's what we look for. In I our love members. that. Um, so, and let me come over to you, Alicia. So, as a, a past Master Brokers Forum chair, uh, a a board member, and a Legacy Award honoree, give me a little bit of the history of the Brokers Forum. What the intent was when it was established, and and sort of the the key uh, the key sort of tenets of it coming to today. So, this organization was born right after Andrew, and uh, when Andrew hit although the world was very, very different in the world of technology. But when you think about it, what kept us connected was telephones. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, there were almost no telephones, and there was all systems down, you know? Uh, And so we also found ourselves in a time when so many people were left homeless in our own community. And by homeless, I mean homeless. They woke up in the morning, and their roof had disappeared, and they did not have a home, and they needed a place to live. I'll never forget personally getting a call from a friend of mine that had a very sick child that was on life support at home, and they needed a a machine to breathe, and they didn't have any electricity. And that was just one of countless cases. So this organization allowed us to, to start communicating with each other, 
because the cell communication was up almost immediately and um, identifying the needs and the solutions. You know, I remember participating by getting condo associations to waive all of those application processes and then just doing very aggressive outreach to people that had no intention of renting their units because they were personal and said, look, this is a humanitarian need. This has nothing to do with economics. We need you to rent your property and just started housing people. And even though we didn't have electricity on Brigola, I'm sorry, we didn't have air conditioning and maybe many of our elevators were down, we did have electricity because this is a redundant grid because of the hub. Right. So we got our power sooner. And that allowed people like this that were in dire need to be able to get into a place that they, they may not have windows, but at least they had a roof and they might not have elevators, but at least they had electricity. And, and it was like that. It was a matter of degrees. So that um, was such a, an incredible moment in mm -hmm. Miami that it left a very lasting impact on me on the importance of being able to have the brokerage community come together as more than just a way of making money, but as a way of facilitating survival, because it was a survival moment in our city. And it's a, a very interesting full circle that on our anniversary, on our 30-year anniversary, we've gone through another moment like that. Right. Because COVID was more than about making money. It was about surviving this horrible situation that was global. And this organization, again, came together to help and facilitate in that journey. As so many people came flooding our community, looking to escape places where the mortality rate was much higher, where the desperation to be able to continue their lives was being completely impeded. And all of a sudden we had this flood of mm -hmm. people coming into the city. And we as a realtor community uh, came together and stood ready to help house them. And I think there was a huge creativity that uh, many of us were already used to because that was part of our business. You know, I'm used to selling air because I'm selling pre-construction. <laughs> and so yeah. we're used to selling remotely and doing. But a lot of the people in our industry weren't. They didn't know how to do a Zoom. They didn't know how to present remotely. They didn't know how to do any of these things. And through this organization, we were able to facilitate that and help them keep going, keep their businesses going, mm -hmm. and house all of these people that really needed housing. Right. So it's, um, it's a very important group when things are normal because we press forward with education and with topics that are, are very, very pressing, whether it's the insurance mm -hmm. issue now or the condominium issue or artificial intelligence or all of these disruptors that come into mm -hmm. our community, we present them in a manner that is relevant to our industry. So it becomes relevant to our audience, which it makes it easier to internalize and therefore use. Right. So it's a very good way of continuing to learn about the things that impact us uh, in our business and in our lives. And with the dawning of this new era post-COVID, it's fantastic that Ileana and, and company have done such a great job bringing uh, more people into the fold, renewing the organization with younger people and expanding um, our reach not only within the profession, but also to our consumers that are looking to qualify what broker they're going to be working with as more than just another agent or another realtor, but somebody here who has a higher qualification. And it also gives us as professionals a reliable network because I may Absolutely. not know somebody who's <laughs> working in a different market than I am, but if they're part of the organization, then pretty safe bet that yeah. I can refer to them. Right, right. That's well, absolutely correct. I mean, it's it's such a pleasure to work with another master broker. 
I mean, you always feel like they have your back, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so uh, it's a great. I mean, the, the this organization um, has a a board of uh, top producers that sit on the board. You know, obviously um, Alicia is one of the past chairs, but she still sits in our meetings and always brings her refreshing uh, ideas. ideas. Right. <laughs> I always look at her when I'm running out of ideas. I'm like, yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> Give it up. Bail me out here. <laughs> Bail me out here. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's an incredible organization. And we're always at the forefront of, with the topics, we always look for, you know, whatever it's pressing, whatever, like we were trying to put together a, a panel and eventually we're going to get there. Uh, with this new technology called Chat GPT, yep, and um, you know we're just trying to find the correct people to go. We always try to find experts mm-hmm. at whatever topic we're going to be dealing with, and we've had incredible panelists. And I'll bring it back to Alicia if she wants to. Yeah, I think as as we move forward with this organization, also, and as the city becomes uh, more and more congested. Uh, it becomes more and more important that we can rely on people that are outside of our area because now I'm getting a referral. It may be a really good referral, but is it good enough for me to take an hour and a half to drive to Sunny Isles or is it a higher and best use of my time to identify someone that I can collaborate in Sunny Isles or in Kendall? And as we become a tri-county area, which Brightline is making that easier and easier to happen, we also have a chapter that is is north of us in in Broward County. And that gives us an ability to expand even further in markets that have more continuing synergy. So it's it's a beautiful way to expand your platform for outbound referrals and also uh, expand your platform for uh, outreach on the listings that you have. Mm-hmm. So it, it works both ways. And I know that if I'm going to go show a listing, uh, I'm going to start with the people I know and trust and are going to make my life easier. So I'm going to look up whatever area and, oh, that's a master broker. Let me start there. Let right. There's over 50,000, you know, five zero thousand real registered Miami Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. So what better sort of uh, pocket or resource to have than that uh, you know, sort of select group of your fellow master brokers that you can rely on, you can count on and do business with. So thank you for laying out those benefits, ladies. If you want to learn more and you're listening and, and you want to um, sort of check that out for yourself, you can go to masterbrokersforum.com or click the link in our show notes uh, to learn more. I see you guys have an event coming up in March. So that's great. Now that we're post-COVID, right? We've been post-COVID, <laughs> but we're back in person. So um, events are a reality. You know, uh, and one uh, more thing that I want to say is that this is a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. and it is the best value ever because sure. our dues are what are our dues i don't even remember it's like 350 dollars <laughs> um and for 350 dollars you're getting at least three three or four spectacular meals entrance <laughs> um, <laughs> on top of mm-hmm. the priceless knowledge right so it is yeah. an unbelievable value yeah you know when i say that i forget the dues i forget the dues because it's de minimis for the sure. value that you get Uh, And I wanted to say that because as our city gets more and more expensive, um, it's good to know that there are still some things that offer incredible value at a a reasonable price. Although, like um, many of the places that we love in town, the membership is finite. So, (laughs) you know, we do have a a limited number of memberships. So if you're interested and you want to get involved, I would encourage you to go to the website and take a look and, and, uh, and apply. 
because I think we will reach our capacity. And unfortunately, we have to, to limit it because we do have sponsors that host us and it's impossible to have a, an, an endless group of people. So it is a select group of people and it is finite. I love it. And when you apply, make sure you tell them Elisa and Eliana sent you. put you at the top of the list. Yeah. You can use our names. Yes. Uh, so let's keep this conversation going, ladies. So uh, one of the things that the Master Brokers Forum does as they sort of pull this intellectual capital, intellectual knowledge, is share uh, their thoughts on what's happening in the market and what's moving and whatnot. So leading into 2023, we saw a 2022 that was one for the books, right? So I want to start there. If you could um, give me your elevator pitches on 2022 uh, and how we landed uh, post-COVID. Let's start with you, Alicia. So the, the elevator pitch is up, up, and away. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was 2022. And um, how we landed is we really haven't landed. We're in full flight. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're going into 2023 in full flight, um, defying um, almost every market, not only in the country, but in the world, because Miami is still and continues to be even more mm. the most desired address in the world. So when people talk to me about, um, oh, this study says there's more inventory and that study says that prices have gone down here and that study says that interest rates are affecting and all of those things. And, and they look at me and say, what do you think? I said, I think that's all true. But the leading study and the defining study in real estate is supply and demand. Correct. And the number of people that are moving into Florida in general, the Southeast in particular, and Miami especially, is staggering. And mathematicians will always tell you that numbers don't lie. And the numbers are that there's more people coming than real estate available. Mm. So I think we have not landed. I think we are continuing to fly. And the other day when I was... Uh, talking to um, somebody who was taking a very adamant position about the adjustments and the pricing and everything else, I finally just looked at them and I said, I just have one question for you. And they said, <laughs> okay, what's the question, Alicia? I said, do you think Miami's going to be cheaper next year and the year after than it is now? Do you think prices are going to be, you think it's better to wait and buy in a year or two? And it was silence. Because I think that thinking people know that the demand is real mm -hmm. and that it is going to increase because a lot mm -hmm. of these companies that have transported themselves to Miami, as I spoke to one of their uh, guys the other day, they said, oh, you haven't seen anything yet. This is the tip of the iceberg. Our employees haven't moved yet, Alicia. Just wait and see what's coming. Wow. Yeah. So On that note, I'm working with a gentleman from San Diego. He's not moving here for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. and. On that point that you're saying, are things going to get cheaper? The guy's looking now to buy, keep it rented for the next seven, eight, nine years, because it says in 10 years, I will not be able to afford mm -hmm. what I buy today. <clears throat> so he's, his budget is $2.5 million. Yeah. He figures in 10 years, that same place is going to be double or triple the number. And this guy is a economics major in in san diego right and so, quite I mean, honestly anybody who lives in miami knows that right every time i talk to one of my friends they said oh my gosh i wish i had bought you know two years ago i wish i had bought three i wish i had bought everything right, right. Oh, really but that, you know? that reminds me of that famous quote that actually we heard this at a panel together i think at least we were for a lot of um there was a a famous developer there and he says he's telling a story about harry hemsley who's you know oh. the former 
uh, owner of the Empire State Building. uh, Right, yes, and the former owner of the Empire State Building, um, developer of the palace here, just a mega tycoon, right? And he's standing on top of a building one day and he's pointing out all these lots to a friend. I own that one, I own that one over there, over down by yonder, I own that one. And the friend says, how how did you get all those properties? And he says, I overpaid for them 10 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) And, and now, of course, everybody thought he was a genius because they were so cheap that what he had paid and right. they, were, they were completely priceless. And yes, I remember that because I, you may or may not know, but we our first development project was owned and developed by Harry Helmsley. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Which which building was The that? Palace on Berkeley. The Palace. Yes. Which that was the famous letter that my mother wrote to him in New York. Uh, dear Mr. Helmsley, and that was our first development. And so many years later, to hear that quote, the man was in fact a genius and a billionaire in the '60s when there weren't any billionaires. Right. So it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, and some fun facts. As I'm going to get into the first sur- survey response here, but so some mm-hmm. fun headlines that we've heard lately. I think everybody's been hearing, but um, amidst the talk of recession and whatnot, Goldman Sachs was saying Miami is one of the markets that they're expecting to be, uh, let's say, recession-proof or continue to gain. I think it was Bloomberg just recently noted that Miami more than doubled its million-dollar zip codes, whereas uh, <laughs> California and New York uh, have been have been dropping. So it's like the city is hot, hot, hot. And that brings me to one of the first questions here, which was kind of to the point of what you ladies have been saying. For the remainder of 2023, speaking of single-family homes in Miami, what mm-hmm. trend do you expect? And of your respondents, it was almost an even tie here, but mm-hmm. 39% said prices will rise gradually, where 38% said prices will stay flat. So it's kind of, you know, either flat or going up. But yeah. Do you ladies agree with that assessment? I think most likely going up. But I mean, it, I think the condo market is a bit different than the single family For market. For sure, yeah. Um, yes, things just, prices... Mm-hmm. I mean, rose to the some numbers that were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And yes, some things are now selling quicker because some sellers, like, probably priced their properties a little bit too high. Right. And now they're realizing, okay, if we bring them down to the number where it should be, right. and then you're getting multiple offers if your price is correct. Yeah. But it's definitely not going down right. by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't... I mean, a lot of these, um, you know, when the rest of the country is unfortunately going through seeing recession, seeing mm-hmm. interest rates, I don't think that Miami, South Florida per se, ever feels that pain. Right. That because of the same reasons that uh, Alicia was saying, um, the amount of people moving to Florida is is staggering. Right. So as long as, as if this continues. We're always going to be short. Right. <laughs> Our inventory is never going to be, it's never going to match the number of people moving to this area. So. Right, right. And so I, I think, well, at least you want to add to that. I, you know, I'll say that the, the there's also opportunity in these markets where so many people around us are tragically not doing as well. Because mm-hmm. some people need to make a move. You know, maybe they got ahead of the train, they moved here, and um, they, you know, they had to go back because they were called to go back in office work. So they, they need to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have to move because there's escalating costs, because there are issues in Miami around insurance, there's issues around that, mm-hmm. and they just need to move. Um, other people have, you know, moving because it's just their time. Maybe they're empty nesters. Maybe they want to move. And I'm pointing that out because it does create opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I think that for people that are in the market, they need to be vigilant 
because there Mm -hmm. are opportunities. Because when everything is above and away in every place, those opportunities are harder to find. Mm -hmm. But in a city like Miami that's so international, where we have so many feeder markets, people feel distressed from different places. Mm -hmm. So in that, you get some real good opportunities. So don't be discouraged if you're a buyer in the marketplace. Be attentive and be active. Make sure that you're working with a realtor who's on it. And if they call you, be ready to move because there will be offers. There'll be multiple offers and it will move quickly. But why shouldn't it go to you if you're the one that wants it? Yeah, that's absolutely absolutely right. I was actually having a conversation with uh, a friend and colleague earlier this week who was in that exact situation, a buyer, mm. he and his wife and their child looking to uh, to move um, out west towards Doral. A property hops on the market because a lawyer, lo and behold, bought the condo three months ago. Now her law firm has relocated her elsewhere. So she's looking to sell. It was on the market for less than seven days. I'm like, put in an offer right now because that's going to go. He had a competing offer. He came 99% close to asking price and he got it. So to your point, there's opportunity. You just got to be ready to move. But you have to be ready to pull that trigger. Pull the trigger. I had a buyer this week. He digested a little bit too long. (laughs) That's the problem here. The realtor was being so great, gracious, waiting but it's, there's a point where you're like, you got to pull the trigger. You can't yeah. think about it anymore. No, you can't. Right. And uh, unfortunately, I lost out oh. because he <laughs> was digesting. <laughs> I say swallow. Don't digest it. Right, right. It's like chew your food, but not too yeah. not too much. Um, so, well, that that's going to bring me to condos, bring us to condos. And as you mentioned, Eliana, so the, the condo market is perhaps slightly a little different than single family home. Uh, and and we see that in the respondents here of your survey. So mm-hmm. the question was the same. What do you what trend do you expect for Miami condominiums? And I assume this is resale condominiums. I'm gonna take a guess, yeah, Jason. Yeah, it was kind of open ended. Um, and the question was, where do you see prices going? So thirty. Let me start from the bottom. So twenty two percent say rise gradually. Twenty nine percent say that they think they will fall gradually, but the majority, 40% almost say prices will stay flat. Do we agree, disagree, or are in between? Alicia, let's the, start. Uh, uh, the resale, the problems with resale be the age of the condominium. Right. And I know Alisa can talk about resales and new construction. <laughs> new construction, but the resales, because of everything that's occurred since- Florida State Law 4D exactly. and Champlain Towers. So all those- new regulations and zoning and the buildings having to comply with uh, now not 40 year but mm-hmm. even a shorter period right of, so it's 25 years now 25 if you're years five miles of the water you know people are now looking to those things before they even make an offer mm-hmm. right oh how old is this building and have they had their <laughs> have they had this inspection and right. that inspection so i think that 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 may prevent prices to or it may keep them flat. Sure. With new construction, I don't know. Alicia can tell us a little bit more. So with new construction, I think um, the prices are going to be flat. Is a weird word with new construction, right? Because the 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 prices um, for new construction are real time, mm-hmm. and so those prices go up as the the uh, cost of construction goes up, as the cost of the land goes up, as the cost of labor goes up, because the margins are pretty consistent. Yeah. So um, I think that the prices are going to be based on what they've always been based on, which is uh, the, the actual cost of the project, with demand being a factor more in the velocity than the pricing. 
right. the velocity of sales. So if you have lots mm -hmm. and lots and lots of buyers, it doesn't mean that the price of that pre-construction unit is going to go up that much more. It just means that it's going to sell out quicker. You're going to have mm -hmm. less choices and uh, you may be just left out. And of course, if you come in early, you're going to get a better price. It's marginal, sure. generally speaking, although mm -hmm. not always. But what we have to remember also with those pre-construction buildings, for for a big part of the supply, these buildings are taking longer and longer to build because they're getting bigger and built bigger. Right. So when I started in this business, a 20-story building was considered a high-rise. <laughs> it took, you know, 24 months to build it. And that was, it seemed mm -hmm. like a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, a 20, 22-story building is, I, I don't know, you know, it's considered a mid-rise mid anymore. <laughs> you know? Right. So the buildings that I'm selling now are 70 stories. They're 800 feet in the sky. Mm -hmm. So the construction timeline, the actual construction timeline is three to four years. Mm -hmm. Add to that pre-development, add to that pre-sales. Um, it takes about a minimum of, you know, five to seven years to take one of these projects from start to finish. Right. So when you look at these buildings, and by the way, the fact that they're very, very tall, like in the case of 1428, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're huge buildings. That's that's not a thousand it's units not volume, like right? it's... Icon Brickle was, you know, that that's not. It, this is, is uh, simply 189 units in a 70-story building that is going to be magnificent, but because it's so high, it's going to take longer to build. Right. Never mind if you go to the Waldorf, which is 100 stories high. Mm -hmm. uh, these buildings take a long time, which means that the supply of inventory is not going to be immediate. It's going to be long lead, which is going to protect the values of the buildings that are being delivered now and the existing condo inventory. I think one of the challenges that we have with our existing condo inventory in addition to the fact that some of these buildings I'm going to say have aged out and the legislation I believe had erred in the direction of protecting the holdouts those three people that didn't want to move no matter what <laughs> rather than protecting the majority and more importantly the integrity of the buildings mm -hmm. but uh, as a result of the the horrible tragedy at Champlain Tower all of these things are readjusting albeit said painfully because we're now trying to catch up for what was arguably bad policy of not requiring uh, reserves. Mm -hmm. And so we're going through this very painful moment. We are going to come out the other side of it much stronger, yep. much better. And as usual in Miami, leading in not only in the United States, but in the world with policies that are going to keep people safe and buildings sound. We will get through this, but I'm, I'm predicting that it's going to be at least two or three years of a lot of pain. Part of the pain is going to be people relocating because they're going to not be able to afford to stay where they were living. But as I told a reporter who asked me uh, a long time ago, they said, well, doesn't that mean that the rich people are going to be able to move there? And I said, well, who do you think was living there when they built that building in the first place? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's the same people, you know, it may they may have different last names. But if you're talking about ec economics, it's the same economics. Mm -hmm. The city's changing. And the good news is that the people that are going to move out of those buildings are going to move out with a significant gain so that they can relocate to wherever they want to with a good amount of money. 
versus if you don't transition these buildings and if there's not an opportunity to create something bigger and better, that then they're not only displaced, but they're displaced and they don't have the wherewithal to find a new home. So we're going to get through this. It's it's uh, going to require uh, a lot of thoughtfulness on the part of our government officials and the part of the realtors to help people navigate these waters and on the part of the consumers to make sure that they're educated and that they know what they're buying and mm-hmm. what that means. But I think that the fact that the demand continues, that the new supply is going to be taking longer and longer to arrive is going to protect the okay. values of the existing inventory. Now, one of the challenges that we have is that more and more families are moving into condos. And a lot of our existing inventory mm-hmm. is too small for the families. So when you look at the resale inventory right now, um, you'll see that the uh, the larger units mm-hmm. are selling at a higher price per square foot than smaller inventory, which is a flip from mm-hmm. what used to happen. Right. And it's counterintuitive um, because uh, generally speaking, those smaller units went for more per square foot because the absolute prior price was lower. Sure. So we do have that inventory pinch. So uh, if you have a, a, a you know three or four bedroom apartment, it is a very scarce commodity with a very large demand. Absolutely. And if you, uh, I do want to mention if for those listening, if you want to learn more about these policies that Alicia and Elena are talking about. Uh, Our most recent episode prior to this is all about Florida Senate Law 4D and breaks down how uh, that impacts uh, condo owners. And to your point, Alicia, you mentioned so the maintaining value of existing um, inventory. This is fresh in my mind because yesterday I was looking at a condo, uh, condo CMA for 50 uh, 50 Biscayne in downtown for a two bedroom plus den. Right. And the last three sales, um, most recently as of December, were... If I remember correctly, about 99%, they sold for 99% of asking price, which was approximately 850000 of those three within the same uh, floors. And they sold in less than like six or seven days between the three of them, right? And then you compare with the two active on the market, say the comps, uh, two active, there's one for listed just under a million. So guess how many days that one's been on the market? Almost three, three plus months. Uh, but to the point that if you're priced correctly, you're gonna go Sorry, just like that. Right. Like you were saying, don't don't chew too long, right? You're and gonna, you're gonna have multiple offers. You're gonna have multiple offers. So you'd rather be priced correctly from the beginning. Yeah. If you don't want to be suffering and just dragging it on, and the seller calling you every five minutes. <laughs> right. What's happening? How come you're not showing? Okay, bring your price to the number, and we'll sell it. And that's exactly what happened to me two weeks ago after being on the market for six months. How is it that you bring the price to the number I told you and in one day we got the offer? Right. He was like, you were right. I love to be right. (laughs) (laughs) So for our listeners, you know, guide your clients. Don't don't just take that listing at the higher price number. And and for my homeowners out there, listen to your realtors. Uh, so let's keep this moving, ladies. And as a reminder, you're listening to the Miami Real Estate Podcast, South Florida's number one rated real estate podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on social. We'll have some links in the show notes. Um, all right. So continuing with the survey. So this next one is not uh, actually, well, it's real estate related, but it's not pricing related. It's about none other than Chad GPT, the hot topic that we just mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the show. Uh, so the question was, 
now I can't find my <laughs> the page. Um, help me out here, uh, Ileana. Where's here we go? How yeah. would you? There we go. How would you this describe tool. your opinion uh, and awareness of the new artificial intelligence tool known as Chat GPT? Okay, and so we have twenty uh, percent. All right, have not heard. Thirty-three uh, percent are somewhat familiar. Uh, twenty-seven percent are intrigued by its cost and time-saving possibilities. Right. And then uh, the remaining are either not comfortable with it or believe the technology will cost people their jobs. That's definitely something people are worried about. But what do we think here in this room about chat GPT? Let's start with you, Ileana. Personally, <laughs> I didn't know anything about it until our friend and board member, uh, Andres Acion, um, started talking about it. And he shared a few um, interviews that he had, he had been interviewed by CNN and there were a couple of articles about it, and I thought it was intriguing. So um, he said, just try it, just try it. And I went in after one of our meetings, and I actually, I said, but how is it? He goes, oh, my God, it's going to make your life so, so easy, writing, you know, the remarks for the MLS mm -hmm. and all this. And I actually tried it, yeah. and it worked. Nice. <laughs> so you basically type in your the basic, prompt, right? let's say the basic three-bedroom, two-bathrooms, uh, let's say waterfront, cozy. You, you put the words that kind of describe the property, mm -hmm. and within seconds, this thing just spits out the complete. You know, the, puts it in order right. in a very beautifully um, eloquent way. Right. You know, instead of you thinking of what should I, what what should I use for this, it'll right. just write. And I so my last two <laughs> listings, I used it, and Great. and the remarks came out. Beautiful. Now, this is the only thing that I've used it for. I'm sure there's other uses. Um, and I, again, there are people that are in favor of this. Sure. And there are a lot of people that are not so in favor of it because they see it as a threat. Kind I, of a... I think that... How is this... You know, I, I like where, where you're going with this in this thought process because if, you know, number one, fear is, is the worst, you know, thing that can mm -hmm. can strike us. But if we can use the tool to save us time, exactly. a starting point, let's say on MLS remarks and how many times do we see MLS remarks that are horrible, right? Oh. So if we can improve those, <laughs> hey, why not? We can um, always improve them. <laughs> right. To, to free up more time for something else. But um, but Alicia, what do, you, what do you think about ChatGPT? So, um, look, I think it's a, an exciting opportunity. I have a lot of questions around it. I have a lot of questions about the ethics around it, mm -hmm. um, the morality or lack thereof around it. Um, I, I never think that human beings will be replaced, but they can be okay. displaced. So one of the, the things that are intriguing to me is as Ileana is using this, I'm sure a lot of other agents are using this, I wonder how many um, descriptions are going to be exactly the same. That would be ugly. Um, well, it, it's interesting, right? Because we're providing a service. We're providing a, a, a pretty um, exclusive service, if you will. And I think that people are hiring us uh, for our intellectual capital. If we're abdicating the intellectual capital to a computer, then um, anybody can provide the same intellectual capital. So I think that the platform is a, a good facilitator, but it can't be the end product. Right. So the other day I was talking to um, a doctor who I consider one of the most intelligent people I know. And I said, you know, artificial intelligence, because this is a form of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I, I said, uh, my question to you is, do you think that it's going to elevate the platform from which science will function? 
or do you think that it will in some way take over the process? And he says, Alicia, it is elevating the, the point of departure. So in the same way that computers allowed us mm -hmm. to do equations faster and mathematicians mm -hmm. were able to resolve much more elevated products faster, it's going to allow us to test all kinds of theories in medicine and in other things because it's a starting point. Because I see it as that. I see it as facilitating the floor. It's going to elevate the floor, but I don't see it as creating the building. Um, right. And the, the the other day I did an interview uh the real deal interview and uh, somebody sent me a thing alicia your interview was so authentic that you could never be replaced by, <laughs> by uh, yeah and they they said yeah ai and i thought that was such an interesting comment yeah. because um i don't pe i don't think that people will ever be replaced no, by computers not. you cannot take the people people out of the equation that that personal touch and what we bring to the table when we're doing a deal, yeah. there's no computer that can take over that. <laughs> Unless, Ileana, we abdicate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and if you abdicate to a computer, and I see it yeah. all the time with, yeah. with agents and younger agents, that you ask them uh, an equation, whatever the equation is, and they mm -hmm. give you the answer. And it's not a complicated thing. And I look at it and I go, how can you give me this answer? You know, we were talking about, I don't know, 6% of 100, and they give me a number that's <laughs> humongous, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. And they go, oh, I didn't look at it. They abdicated, because, and they stuck a wrong finger on that calculator, and they didn't connect their brain to the machine. They mm. abdicated control right. to the machine. And I think that's very dangerous. Yeah, so dangerous. I think that we have to be very cognizant of the fact that garbage in, garbage out. And that the machines are a starting point. They're a platform from which to begin, but they are not the end game. And you cannot rely on them blindly because they do make mistakes because we as human beings make mistakes and those machines were created by us. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I like we it. all so agree. That's the real estate uh, outlook on yeah. ChatGPT, I think, for this year. We like that. Um, so, ladies, to wind this down, let me close it off by asking each of you, um, your, your personal outlook for 2023. I know it's a surprise. I didn't warn you guys. I didn't bring my crystal ball today. Sorry. Uh, but we love, we love hazy crystal balls here, but no, just, you know, what, what else that we didn't mention here, I guess, for final thoughts for listeners on the 2023 Miami real estate market. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I was, I'm gonna start with you, Adana. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Um, let's go for it. So are we answering from the perspective of the buyer? The seller, the realtor. <laughs> it's it's open format. You tell us, you know, what you want our listeners okay. to take away. If you're a realtor, okay, up your game. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> because what's happening is, unless you're connected, unless you're out there, and unless you're upping your game every day, making yourself better, mm -hmm. learning, um, growing one percent every day, you won't be able to keep up with what's hap what's happening. What's coming, as Alisa was saying before, as a buyer, you you need to be um, knowledgeable mm -hmm. and you need to pick the right agent, preferably a master broker, <laughs> <laughs> um, because if the agent is not connected and is not keeping you informed, you may miss out on some opportunities. Right. Um, and as a seller, listen to your realtor, right. the advice of the realtor the professional who's out there day in and day out. 
Right, right. Well said. Well said. Alicia? I think the, the biggest challenge for us in Miami uh, this year, and it, it's a weird thing for me to say this year because many people would say, isn't that every year, Alicia? <laughs> <laughs> but I think this year is how quickly our city is changing. Yeah. Our city is changing at lightning speed. And I'm saying this year because I think for 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 2023, COVID is really in the rearview mirror. So if you haven't felt it in other ways, you must be feeling it in the number of invitations you're getting, which means that this year, everything is going to be so accelerated. And I, I oftentimes tell my, my foreign buyers, if you haven't been to Miami lately, you haven't been to Miami at all. I'm going to say the same thing to those of us who live here. If you're not out and about in your city, if you haven't been to downtown or you haven't been to Kendall or you haven't been to Wynwood or you haven't been to Little River lately, you haven't been there at all. And if you haven't been there ever, you don't know your city anymore. Do not become a stranger in your own town. You need to go out. You need to broaden your circle. You need to throw away your list of regular restaurants and if you've been there before, don't go there again. Try at least 10 new places before you go back to your favorite pizza joint. You'll be surprised with what you find, and you need to be able to connect and keep up because the people that are coming new to the city no, have no, no choice. <laughs> they have no choice but to go out and explore and get to know the city. And yes, they're going to know more than you know if you're not out. And I'm Absolutely. often surprised um, that people just have no clue what's going on in our city anymore. It's a challenge because there's so much. I, absolutely. I think that uh, well said right on the nose. And I think we're going to leave it there, ladies, yes. right? This was a good, <laughs> well-rounded conversation. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure speaking with you too. For our listeners, um, go check out masterbrokersforum.com. Learn more about this amazing organization. Get involved. Uh, you can also follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, Ileana, thank you so much for being here. That's Ileana Abeya from uh, Bella Group at Compass and the uh, chair of the Master Brokers Forum. And Alicia Cervera-La Madrid, our very own managing partner here at Cervera Real Estate. Thank you again for being here with your insight. I'm Omar DeWin, communications executive here at Cervera. If you want to learn more about Cervera Real Estate or join uh, the firm, check out cervera.com slash careers. Uh, we love welcoming new members to the extended Severa family. So uh, we will catch you next week with a new episode. Uh, until then, remember that here in Miami, the future is always bright. Take care, folks.